While you are folding episode 57, a mother's rule of life provider. Hi, I'm Catherine Boucher, and you're listening to While You Were Folding. This show is my weekly excuse to talk about my favorite things in my real and perfect life. I've been a wife for 11 years and a mother for 10. I won't pretend to be an expert. I will talk about the ups and downs, ask a whole bunch of questions, invite you into the conversation, and encourage you to share what you heard while you were folding. Let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Merciful Father, thank you so much for the gift of the many transfiguration mountaintop moments that you've given us. The transfiguration is something I've been chewing on since last Sunday's gospel. Thinking about all of the mountaintop moments that we have, the glimpses that they are into what it's like to be with you and the Father. Help us to remember them when we're facing various crosses that you are allowing to enter into our lives. And during this Lenten season, I also ask that you give us the grace of perseverance and the courage to begin again if we feel like we're really messing things up this Lent with our lofty goals that we started off this season with, just to encourage us, draw us closer to you, and help us to persevere. And I know a lot of us are feeling the stress and the lack of information and the uncertainty surrounding the news of the coronavirus and all of the updates, if some of us are glued to the news 24-7, give each of us a spirit of trust and peace when chaos is surrounding us. And we ask that you Help us to remember to turn everything that is a source of stress or anxiety over to you. Help us to lean on you instead of grasping for control. And we ask all these things through your name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hello, hello. So good to be down in my basement studio talking with all of you tonight. I have a lot to get through tonight, so I'm just going to jump right in. First of all, hello to all of the ladies from St. Michael's. Thank you so much for inviting me to be with your group last week. There were probably 60 or 70 of you there, and it was so much fun. They, It was such a great group. You ladies sure know how to put on an event, and several of you have messaged me or reached out via email or social media saying that you enjoyed my chat. So I hope that we can keep in touch and that I'll be able to add your voices to future podcast episodes. It was so much fun to connect with other women. Uh, The topic was talking about a mother's rule of life. And I'm finishing up that series tonight on my podcast. So for those of you who attended the St. Michael's Talk If you are just joining the podcast audience, welcome. I hope I'll keep hearing back from so many of you. Um, Tonight is going to wrap up that uh, series on a mother's rule of life, starting back on episode 50. So thank you again to the ladies of St. Michael's. That was a ball. Since last time I recorded an episode, my little baby celebrated her first birthday, Gloria Benedicta, turned one last week, and we had a great time celebrating. That little baby loves buttercream frosting. She thought it was pretty much the most amazing thing ever. Um, But I would say my favorite part about her birthday was watching her older siblings just be so enamored with her, watching her eat her cake and opening her presents. That was the highlight for me. And then last weekend, I got to have a really fun first year birthday photo shoot. My friend Lisa agreed to give of her time and talent on Saturday morning, and we had the greatest time. So Lisa, thank you so much. Professional photography is such a gift. 
I have very few regrets about my parenting journey. I feel like we're all doing the best we can and I'm learning how to be really gentle with myself. But if I'm going to be hard on myself about anything, it's not having nearly enough professional photos taken. It is worth every single penny because those are moments you think you're going to remember all of it, but you don't. And I am just so excited to have those pictures of Gloria. Gloria is the fifth baby in our family, just like I was the fifth baby growing up in my family. And so I think it's really important to celebrate those milestones for each kiddo. So thanks again to Lisa for helping to capture those sweet pictures. Um, Also, I wanted to be sure and mention I resumed physical therapy last week. I've talked a little bit about this on my blog before, and I've mentioned it. I don't even know the last time I talked about it on the podcast, but I get super passionate about this topic, especially when I'm speaking to an audience of predominantly women. So ladies, if you are postpartum, if you have felt like your body went through a lot um, with delivery and just postpartum changes, there is help and there is hope. Please do yourself a favor, do a Google search and find someone in your area who is a physical therapist who is qualified in what is called pelvic floor strengthening. That will help you to improve a host of different problems that you're probably dealing with. It can be anything from incontinence, so peeing your pants when you sneeze or jump on a trampoline with your kid, or if you have prolapse, body parts that are outside that are supposed to be inside, or, and this is pronounced a couple different ways depending on who I've heard say it, diastasis, diastasis, recti, that's the abdominal separation when your tummy muscles split apart um, during pregnancy and postpartum. If you find a physical therapist that is qualified in pelvic floor strengthening, you can get help for all of those things. It doesn't have to be your new normal. And a lot of OBGYNs will send you to a surgeon to try and do some repairs once you think you are quote unquote complete with your family. But for those of us in the Catholic world who are open to life and don't necessarily know when that will be, um, physical therapy is a really great solution for getting us through the fertile years of motherhood. So highly recommend checking out physical therapy. I'm so excited to be taking care of myself again in that way. Um, I wish I had gone in sooner. I'm bummed. She told me I'm not supposed to be running and I had just started. I had just resumed the couch to 5k program because I've been frustrated this time around feeling like I'm not as fit or as strong as I want to be. And I know it's because I haven't done physical therapy and because I haven't gotten my tummy muscles back to where I want them to be so that I can hold my core the way that I'm supposed to. The core just kind of went out the window (laughs) during my last pregnancy. So back in the saddle again, taking care of myself. I hope you will think about it. If you are struggling with some of those issues, check out physical therapy, find someone who's qualified in pelvic floor strengthening. Last week, I talked about from this series on a mother's rule of life, the fourth P, which is called which is parent. So talked about all things parenting. I got lots of great feedback. Bottom line, several of you said that you are also Janet Lansbury fans. If you have not heard of her and you, if you have not checked out her podcast, Unruffled, do yourself a favor, check it out. She has such great practical parenting advice. Each episode, it's one listener sending in a specific parenting question or she's interviewing another parenting expert. And it's been really helpful for me in my parenting. And I think a, a common thread that I saw in a lot of your feedback is that a lot of us are learning that we want to do things differently in terms of how we are parenting our children. And it is so important, it's essential that we are working on ourselves and figuring out our own stuff 
Because so often with parenting, you realize when you get into these power struggles with a little person that it's usually me getting rattled and my brain, it just immediately goes to fight or flight. And I turn on my emotional brain instead of using my thinking brain. And that never works when we are trying to discipline our kids. If emotion is involved, things are not going to go well. That it's it's good, beautiful, wonderful to have feelings and acknowledge our feelings. But if emotion is what is governing our discipline, things are not going to go well. I actually gave a talk on that topic, and I shared that talk back in episode 47 called Wholehearted Parenting. And if you haven't listened to it, you might find that helpful if you're struggling with that part of parenting right now. But I just wanted to touch on this and give a final word of encouragement on the topic of parenting. None of us are going to get it all right. And chances are most of us are going to screw up at least once every day. But the great news is that God does not expect perfection of us. He is the only perfect parent. Well, him and Mary (laughs) were the only perfect parents. And so if we stay close to the church, if we are receiving the sacraments often, if we model asking for forgiveness and offer forgiveness to our children, and if we invite God into all of it, We have to remember, he's the one who gave us these kids. He's the one who called us to this vocation. He's going to walk with us through all of it. So chin up. He's got this. He's going to walk with us through it. And you're not alone. And I'm right there with you. Okay, today's topic, I'm finishing up a mother's rule of life. And the last P, the fifth P, is provider. This is a huge umbrella topic, and I'm also going to conclude the series. So I'm going to go rapid fire through the rest of this. I have everything included in the show notes, so please don't feel like you need to write everything down tonight. Again, if you are just jumping into this series, you might want to go back and start at episode 50, and it will probably make a lot more sense. This is my attempt to talk about the book, A Mother's Rule of Life by Holly Pierlo, keeping in mind that we are using this book as a tool instead of letting it become our master. So again, to summarize, Holly Pierlow wrote this book to try and help lay people, people who are called to uh, the vocation of marriage and motherhood, to figure out our essential duties, to put them in order according to our hierarchy of relationships. Holly calls them the five Ps. So the five Ps are prayer, person, partner, parent, and provider. So we are putting our relationship with God first, taking care of ourselves second. Then we third focus on marriage, fourth children, and five provider. So provider, what is that all about? Basically, provider is talking about all of the things that have been entrusted to us, all of the tasks that God is asking of us as wives and mothers, and also our finances. And it is so dang tempting to let this supersede all of the other P's. Ask me how I know. (laughs) And actually, when I first picked up this book, when I was in the throes of postpartum depression and trying to grasp for control, I wanted a book to tell me how to do provider well. I wanted all the charts. I wanted the cleaning schedules, the laundry schedules. I just needed someone to tell me what to do and how to grasp for control in my life. And if I'm honest, I would say that this fifth P, and it's supposed to be the last one, but I always made it first, it used to dictate my life. I would say that I had a very unhealthy idea of what a home with young children living in that home should look like. (laughs) And I had to learn 
painfully how to let go of having those unrealistic expectations. Over the years, I've gotten better about relinquishing control by allowing, isn't that horrible that I'm even saying it, allowing my husband to help in different ways and not trying to nitpick all the different things that he does. Philip didn't know before he married me that there is a wrong way to load a dishwasher. (laughs) Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, And as our kids have gotten older, now that we have a fourth grader and a third grader and a kindergartner, and then on down the line, they're getting to the ages where they are actually super helpful. And I am delegating tasks to them, giving them responsibilities. And here's the kicker, figuring out how to let them do them and still supervise them, like we talked about last episode when we focused on parent. But for me, the essential part is letting the things be done imperfectly or differently than how I would do them. So long as they're getting done and they're being done at an age-appropriate level, they're not being lazy, but they're doing it to the best of their ability. So for the three-year-old, that looks like I'm letting her put her laundry away, and even if I've folded the clothes, they may not still be folded when she puts them back into her drawers. Maybe I could just let go of the whole folding things in my next step in improvement, but that's where we are right now. But bottom line, my self-worth, thank you, Jesus, is no longer caught up in the cleanliness of my countertops whether or not the family room is clean. If I'm really honest, I'll say that it stresses me out when there's not a lot of outer order in our home, but I don't have that inner critic anymore saying things like, man, what kind of a woman can't keep her home reasonably tidy? What kind of a stay-at-home mom am I if I can't blah, 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 blah. So, I've had varying degrees of success depending on what's happening in our lives. And if it's in a stage of survival mode, maybe pregnancy, newborn stage, when Philip was in residency, um, things look really different than if we're in a time where, say, right now, Gloria just turned a year old and it kind of feels like we're on cruise control, that we are more often than not, sleeping completely through the night. There are no major catastrophes happening. And during those times, it's a different kind of temptation. When I'm in survival mode, I have a huge temptation to grasp for control. And thinking that it is so important to try to do a couple of things to feel like I'm on top of life. And if we're in a time when it's not survival mode, maybe it feels like cruise control, I have the temptation of thinking that time is mine. And they're sometimes both in survival mode and during cruise control, there is a temptation of mine toward resentment toward the kids and for Philip for messing up my work when I'm looking to the externals of a clean house as me being able to check the box and at least getting one thing done for the day and getting frustrated when they're interrupting that instead of realizing they are my vocation, that they're not a distraction from my vocation. It's been really helpful for our marriage, for me, for Philip and I to talk about what we call minimums. These are the things, especially during survival mode chapters, to figure out the things that are most important to us that will help to achieve day-to-day peace. And it changes depending on what season of life we're in. But let's say it's a newborn stage. It's important for us to have things like, let's have dishes done and a load of laundry per day. It might not get folded or put away, but at least it's gone through the wash and it's been dried. And dinner together as a family, and then getting kids to bed at a reasonable hour. Bedtime at our house for the kids is usually 730. So if we can get those things done, 
I will call it a win. <laughs> and that's and that feels like a lot during survival mode, but that I will call that a win. Um so that's kind of the overarching view of provider. It's all the things that have been entrusted to us, putting the tasks that God has set before us as wives and mothers and then putting them in order. And then I'm going to get into how you actually logistically do that. Quickly, I'm going to talk about finances. Um, My experience with finances is I didn't know a whole lot before I got married. I just figured out when I went to college how to start working on financial independence. And during our early years of marriage, we got married right out of college. Those were some very lean financial years. I was a teacher and Philip was in medical school. We started our family pretty early on, just a year after we had been married. Um, So we just had to work on our communication. And if you want to talk about marriage, go back to the episode on partner. We had to learn how to reprioritize and have regular communication about purchases. And We figured out our goals and how to get on the same page financially. And when we started having our weekly family meetings on Sunday nights, this was definitely a topic that came up when we would look at our bills and everything else. So that has been an ongoing journey. We definitely have had good and bad stages of having better communication, We are needing to get back into the habit of every week having that be something that we communicate on. During our survival mode, during the newborn stage with Gloria, we got back into the habit of Philip being the go-to guy with the finances. So I've kind of been in the dark on the day-to-day things. I know overall what things are looking like, but we don't talk about the nitty-gritty week-to-week the way that we used to. So we're slowly working our way back into that. Um, But I also think it's important just to be gentle with yourselves and have the go-to person. Philip's the point person for finances in our marriage. And it's worked for us to have the ebb and flow of him knowing during newborn stage when I'm nursing, not getting as much sleep, and things are feeling really full on the home front that he's willing to step it up in that realm and take care of the week-to-week stuff and just let me know things are in a good place, everything's okay. But ideally, when you're not in survival mode, I think it's good week-to-week just to touch base on all of those things. Okay, so here is where things get exciting. We are talking about pulling together everything that falls under the category of provider. A couple of things. (laughs) It is so important to remember that focusing on provider alone, this will probably take a year for you to do if you do it in a good and healthy way. Before we talk about organizing everything and the chore charts and then your finances, it's so important to remember that you have to have what's called the spirit of the mother's rule in place. So let's talk really quickly about the spirit of the mother's rule. This is basically like a constitution of what your day-to-day life is supposed to be about. I'm going to call it a living document because you are supposed to use this as your main principles and you are going to revisit it over and over to check yourself on a regular basis. A spirit of the mother's rule is a summary of the main points of how you want to live out your vocation. It's based off of those five P's. And remember, they are prayer, person, partner, parent, and provider. So you are looking at the five P's, the hierarchy of your relationships, and then you're figuring out the specific virtues that you believe are most important to your vocation and circumstances. You're going to come up with specific goals that will help you to live out those virtues well. And you're going to talk about attitudes and frames of mind 
and heart that you think God is calling you to as a wife and mother. So the spirit of the mother's rule, it's a goal and a guide. It's something that you're working toward. It's not something that you're going to look at and think it's a checklist. It's not something that you're going to accomplish perfectly right off the bat. And if you are, you're probably, unless you're a saint already, this side of heaven, but you're probably not stretching yourself enough if you're checking everything off your list for your spirit of your mother's rule. And it's not a list. These are goals, virtues, habits, attitudes, frames of mind that you think God is calling you to as a wife and mother. Ideally, you are going to review the spirit of the spirit of the mother's rule once a month. And if not monthly, maybe quarterly, and then once a year, I am planning on doing this every year when I go on my annual retreat. Once a year, reassess where you are with the spirit of the mother's rule. Maybe there's a place where you can challenge yourself a little bit more. Maybe there's a place where you realize, holy cow, I have really grown in this area. And thank God for that and acknowledge that moment and celebrate it. I think so often we're always kicking ourselves the ways that we're not living up to our expectations of the way we want to be doing this vocation and the way that we think God is asking us to live it out. But let's take the time to celebrate when we realize growth is happening. I think that's been one of my favorite parts about spiritual direction, having someone that I don't see every day, someone who I usually only see once a month if outside of mass, the priest is able to say, holy cow, you've really grown in this area and you are not the person that I started meeting with a couple of months ago. And here's, here are the changes that I'm seeing. But then conversely, seeing those weaknesses, the places where you're needing to improve and finding specific goals, thinking of particular frames of mind that you want to work on for the next year. Um, and I think it's more helpful if this is posted in a place where you're going to be able to review it regularly. For me, it makes sense to keep it in my prayer journal. For you, maybe it's on the side of a refrigerator or on your bathroom mirror or I don't know, put it somewhere where you're going to see it frequently. If you work outside in the home, maybe at your office desk on a bulletin board nearby. Those are just a couple of ideas. So to get started with writing a spirit of the mother's rule, just start jotting down the essential points of what God is calling you to as a woman, as a wife, and as a mother. Just all of the essential things that God's asking you to do. Before we get into the chore charts and all of those things, let's review why we are doing a mother's rule of life anyway. The whole point of this is to free our mind from the inner dialogue of all of the things that we think about that we have to do. It's going to give external order to our home. It's going to bring peace for our home without having the visual clutter. It's also going to bring peace to our kids because they don't have the burden of abundance. They're not picking up the extra things that Marie Kondo would say, don't spark joy. We'll also have less decision fatigue. If we have everything accounted for that we're supposed to be doing, and we've already taken into consideration the hierarchy of priorities with what's supposed to happen when, it's so much easier to have direction in our days. And we have time for everything, and everything has a home. So the bad news about that is This is super time intensive in the beginning. It's going to become less time intensive as time goes on, but we're never going to retire from managing the system or adjusting it. That's part of tending the garden. That's part of what we talked about when I introduced this series, talking about going from a mindset of set it and forget it to tending the garden. If we are constantly revisiting things, 
That's part of the job. It doesn't mean that something's going wrong. It means that we're working with humans that are changing, growing, and adjusting. And that's a good and beautiful thing. But the good news is that it's going to take so much less time as you continue on with a mother's rule of life. There are so many spiritual benefits to doing this as well. It's going to sanctify us when we're going about our days, offering everything that we are doing for love of God. It is mortifying in the sense of mortification. That means that we are dying to ourselves because we're doing what God wants instead. We become so much more intentional about our prayer lives. And the heart of the rule of life, anyway, is to fulfill God's will in our lives. We move from obedience of doing it for God, just because we think this is what we're supposed to do, and then doing it for perfect love of God in our family. So we're moving from a place of, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do, to I'm doing this because I love my family and I love God. All of us from time to time are going to struggle with sloth. Holly Pierlo said that sloth is the disease of the will. So a couple of things that she suggests for remedies for sloth. Number one, the grace of the sacraments. Number two, spiritual reading. Back when we talked about prayer, she talked about coming up with a list of a spiritual reading or study plan. And these books, these studies that we're working through are going to be big sources of encouragement for us to fight against sloth in our vocations. And then the third remedy for sloth is just doing it. The doing of the mother's rule of life, the doing of the duties that we're supposed to be doing day after day, it actually makes it a lot easier. And it cuts out the decision fatigue because you just know this is what I'm going to do. And it's Charlotte Mason from the homeschooling world. She talks about laying down the rails for your kids that our job is character formation and habit training as their primary educators. So when we lay down the rails for our kids and for ourselves with what the day-to-day is going to look like, there's less decision-making. You would just know what is expected and what's going to happen day after day. Okay, are we ready to get into the nitty-gritty of provider? Here's the fun part. Get out your clipboards, get your Excel spreadsheets, get everything, get the label maker. (laughs) Holly Pierlot goes through step by step, and this is probably the part of the book that most people buy the book for, because this is where you find all the charts. Everything is finally coming together at the end because we've gotten our mindset in the right place and we've put our relationships in order so that we know now how to go through our home and figure out how to bring order. So first things first, to get started, Holly recommends doing what is called a room analysis. And again, I'm going to have all of these notes in the show notes. Don't feel like you have to write this down because you will not be able to keep up. But a room analysis is basically a way for you to make your home functional and beautiful. And this is where you are going to literally go through your home room by room. And this is going to take you a while to do this. Don't think that you're going to be able to just do this in one clean swoop. So you're going to either have a clipboard, laptop, however you best like to write things down. And in each room, you're going to first decide on the room's purpose. What is this room for? How do we actually use this space? And then also under number one for your room analysis, find what you need to do that thing in that room. Okay, so number one, decide on the room's purpose and find what you need for it. Number two, this is going to take you a year to do number two, okay? Give each thing a home. Yeah, I mean it. Every single item in your house, give it a home. (laughs) If you don't have enough room in your house to give each thing a home, you have what Holly Pierlot calls the burden of abundance. 
you are spending more time picking up the stuff than just enjoying your home. That means it's time to get rid of some things and share your abundance with others. If you do this in a good and healthy way, it's going to take you a really long time. Holly, the way she went about doing it, I don't remember what she called it, but basically she had some space in her house, an unused room, hallway, I don't remember where it was, where she just found all the things that were not being used and had a staging area where she had things that were going to be trashed, things that were going to be donated, everything that didn't belong in a specific room that needed to be relocated also went to this space to be put away later because she knew she would be able to accomplish giving everything a home faster if she did it in that way, instead of taking every item, putting it exactly in the room where it goes. So that's how Holly went about it. In this part of the book, this is where there are so many different resources on home organization, home cleaning. Take what works for you, abandon what doesn't. But this is what Holly recommends. Um, So after you've given each thing a home, Number three, what shouldn't stay in this room? Anything that does not belong in that room, anything that does not help you to accomplish your purpose for that room is going to disappear and go to that staging area. Number four, create a repair list. Write down all of the things in that room that are broken and need repair. This is a list that you are going to be able to revisit each week, ideally, If you have that family meeting on Sunday nights, when you're going through the budget, when you can start to talk about when can we fit these repairs into our budget, and then you have an opportunity to systematically start to work toward repairing things in your home. Number five, beautifying projects and improvements. The things that you would love to do in your home, this is also something that you're going to review when you're budgeting with your husband. Maybe you're really wanting to change the color on the wall in a specific room, or you have something bigger in mind, but you have to start figuring out how to budget for it. Maybe the beautifying project or improvement has something to do with how you want to change a room's purpose. Figure out where that could fit in the budget, how you can start saving for it now, and what you would need to achieve those goals. Number six, what needs to happen in that room to keep it clean? You're going to figure out what needs to happen daily, weekly, seasonally. Daily, weekly, seasonally in that room specifically. Once you've done that, you're going to figure out who is going to do it. And then you're going to figure out when that person is going to do it. That also will take you a really long time to figure out, okay? Again, this is going to take you close to a year to do if you're doing it in a good and healthy way. So you have a room analysis, six different points. Give each room a purpose. Number two, give each thing a home. Three, what shouldn't stay in this room? Four, create a repair list. Five, beautifying projects and improvements. And number six, what needs to happen in that room to keep it clean daily, weekly, seasonally? Who's going to do it and when? So that's your room analysis. After you're done with a room analysis, then you're going to do what's called a home and property analysis. Here we're talking about the things outside the house, lawn, garage, shed, garden, cars, etc., Do the same thing that we did with the room analysis, but adjust it for those parts of the home. And then from here, after you've done your room analysis and your home and property analysis, you get to finally create and post your chore charts. You're going to put these in pencil to begin with or create a document that you can edit. And you're going to continually make revisions, make changes. Something that's working right now is not going to be working in a couple more weeks. Remember, you are tending the garden. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with your family. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with your system. It may mean there's something wrong with the system. 
And sometimes it may mean there's something that needs um, character improvement with the people. But tending the garden is part of our gig. So just keep that in mind. So when you are creating your chore charts, it's coming from your room analysis. It's helping you to figure out what needs to be done each day. And then you're also going to need to bring in your calendar to help you to figure out what is happening in terms of our time commitments outside the home. And you're going to account for all of it. You're also going to need to go back to your, when you're coming up with your family schedule, looking at those prayer practices that you committed to when you looked at the first P, prayer. Look at what you committed to for your marriage, what times of connection, when you're going to do date night, those things. Three, when you look at, um, I'm sorry, two is person. (laughs) We need to look at things like meal preparation, meal cleanup, exercise, look at um, the meal schedule, look at also when you're going to make time for friends, when you're going to make time for hobbies. Three, that's partner. When you're looking at date nights, those time commitments. Four, looking at parenting. Do your children have those outside activities that I talked about on your calendar? Also, times of connection as a family. And then five, provider. That's where we bring in the room analysis and the home and property analysis. That's where your chore charts come from. So look at all those things. You've already done the hard work if you've done it in the way that Holly recommends. If you're starting with provider, (laughs) that's how I did it when I first found this book, it's going to be much more difficult for you because you have not taken into account the hierarchy of your relationships and brought things into a proper order. And you haven't taken the time to adjust your mindset and your attitude to be more successful in doing this well. So after you've done your chore charts, and again, it's going to take you a really long time to do that, then you're going to look at your finances. There are so many great resources talking about finances out there. Highly recommend Dave Ramsey and his program, You Need a Budget. Um, But Holly just simply recommends creating a budget, looking at your necessary expenses, your debts, and your bills. And the last thing that she really emphasizes that I think is a really great part of the book is the topic of tithing. Tithing as an opportunity for us to give back to God what belongs to him in terms of our finances. And that tithing can be an opportunity for us to encounter God. Time is also a really important topic when we talk about provider. Provider is how we are good stewards of the things that God has given us, including the gift of our time. It's important to think about if we are using our time well, and if we're in a financial position to hire someone to do something that we need to accomplish, that we should consider doing that because maybe hiring someone will free us up to be able to serve in our vocation even more. Or maybe we have the gift of time and we can use that gift to give back, either in terms of service or outside employment that can benefit our family. Time is the most important non-renewable resource that we have. So spend a lot of time thinking about time. (laughs) I think it's really important for us to think about whether or not we are allowing the care of our things to take precedence over our relationships with people. And if we are in that place, what changes do I need to make to restore order in terms of relationships before things? And really think about finances. Have you and your husband been communicating about that regularly? And if not, why not? And how can you start to make that more of a priority? Let's quickly review where we've been. We've tackled a lot, but let's try and summarize everything to sum it all up. First, we talked about mindset shifts that are necessary for us to start working on pulling our rule of life together. The first essential mindset shift is to go from set it and forget it to tending the garden. 
thinking that we can come up with the perfect system and then leave it and let it run. That we are continually having to make adjustments, figure out how our family is changing and growing and how we can better meet our current needs instead of when we first created this system a couple months ago. Second mindset shift to go from a place of control, pride, self-glorification to obedience of God to love for God and our family. Going from a place of thinking it's my housework, my home, my whatever, to, okay, I'm going to do this because it's what I'm supposed to do, to, I love these people that God's given me so much, and I love God so much that I'm going to do this because I love him and I love them. The third mindset shift to go from a place of, oh, (laughs) this thing, this vocation that God has given me is drudgery and it's a burden, to duties and the things that we do as opportunities for active contemplation. This is one that I don't know that I touched on as much as I wanted to. When we start doing our rule of life, it's it might feel overwhelming and it might feel like we are spending so much mental energy figuring out what's coming next, what are the other things I need to do. But after we've been doing it for a while, we will have so much more margin for our days. Like I said, we set down the rails It lessens our decision fatigue. We know what's going to come next. Our family understands what's going to come next because it's something that we've agreed upon as a family. And so we're able to enter into what's called active contemplation. We are going to get to a place where we're going about our day. And instead of being consumed with the endless to-do list, we get to a place of fully entering into the thing that we are doing right now we're able to be fully present and it frees our mind to enter into active contemplation, prayer that we can do while we are engaged in the thing that God wants us to do right now. So if that means I'm doing the dishes after lunch, I can be thinking about a loved one that I want to offer a prayer for while I'm rinsing the dishes off. If I'm doing laundry for the family, I'm able to pray for each family member whose item of clothing I am folding at each moment. Um, And the last thing that I also haven't talked about is what a gift the saints are. There are so many saints that did small things with great love, and that is the heart of our vocation as wives and mothers. St. Therese of Lisieux, St. Teresa of Calcutta, St. Jane Francis de Chantal, St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, also known as Edith Stein. Those are just some of my favorite female saints that I think epitomize doing small things with great love. They um, are just, I, I think of them as my warriors, my prayer warriors that are cheering me on from heaven when it comes to doing these things, when I might be struggling with bitterness or resentment or pride or setting it and forgetting it, all of those mindset shifts. If I'm struggling, if I can pray for that saint's intercession or read about their lives or just ask for their help, (laughs) it's huge. That's been really important for me. Keep in mind your spirit of your mother's rule of life. I really hope you take the time to write down your essentials, your constitution of your mother's rule of life, and remember to review it every month. And if not every month, every quarter, ideally, you're going to revise it every year. And it's going to help you to remember what your essential duties are and the order that you intend to do them in. If you're doing them in the wrong order, things are going to be all out of whack. So remember to review the spirit of your mother's rule of life. When it comes to the mindset of tending the garden, remember that time is irrelevant. Pulling all of this together and living out your rule of life, it's not just going to be the work of this next year. It's going to be the work of your lifetime. I know it's going to be the work of mine. So what we talked about today, if it's done in a good and healthy way, 
It's not going to be accomplished by the end of Lent. It's not going to be accomplished by the end of 2020. We're all going to be working on it this side of heaven, okay? Until the day we die. And what's most important, it's not the perfect home. It is obedience to the task at hand. If we revisit the five Ps, prayer, person, partner, parent, provider, and we're living them in the proper order, if we invest in community life and we're encouraging one another on, we remember that we're called to obedience and not perfection, and we remember that God is in charge of the results and not us, he is going to bless all of it. And a mother's rule of life will be a blessing and not a burden. I hope all of this has been helpful for you. I hope you remember that this book and my podcast are just tools. You know what's best for you, for your season of life, and for your family. And I want to know what's resonating with you. And if you're starting to implement a mother's rule of life, get in touch. As always, you can email me at podcast at katherineboucher.com. You can find me on Facebook or Instagram Or my favorite, you can send me a voicemail on Voxer. That's that free walkie-talkie app. If you like the show, please share it with a friend. You can find the link to the show on your podcast player or on katherineboucher.com. Go ahead and text it to a friend. Just say, I was listening to this and I really enjoyed it. And that is how our While You Were Folding community keeps growing by you sharing the show with your friends. And it has been so much fun to get your feedback, get to know you. And I am so grateful to all of you who listen week after week and send along your feedback. You are the reason that I head down to my basement office week after week and record new episodes. It's been so much fun and I am really enjoying this and I'm so grateful for each of you. So thank you. Until next time. Don't be afraid to begin again and share what you heard while you were folding.